Welcome to Talent Tribe. On this podcast, we celebrate the inspiring stories of women in the tribe while sharing the latest in recruitment, talent, and culture. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our episode of Talent Tribe with Leslie Henry, VP of Talent at Axiom. We are going to be talking about so much with Leslie. First and foremost, career pivots. She is an expert career pivoter. She's done it in her own career. So she's going to speak from her own personal experience, as well as all of the professional development and coaching she's done throughout the entire course of her career. I'm so happy you're here, Leslie. Leslie, welcome to Talent Tribe. Thanks, Tammy. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so honored that you asked me to join. Oh my gosh. To do an episode with a friend and former colleague and expert in the field, the pleasure is all mine, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's just dive right in. So at Talent Tribe, we love to just start out every single episode at the beginning. So can you just tell us a little bit about you and your background? We'd love to hear a little bit about that. Great. Yes. Be happy to tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in Toronto, Canada. So I'm a Canadian girl. Moved to Chicago about eight years ago. And I grew up in a family of lawyers. So always sort of early on, I think I had that inclination that I would probably pursue some kind of career in the field of law, but didn't know exactly what. My mom had taken a a really traditional path in the legal field. She had been a partner at a law firm. She had been in academia. She's actually now a judge. So she had taken a really standard and traditional path. And my dad had a law degree, but he had only practiced for a couple of years. And he ended up running a business in the clothing industry. So something totally different. And I think from like early on, I saw hey, there's so many paths and permutations of what you can do with different degrees and different experience. And that's, I I don't know if at the time I thought that stuck with me, but as we will dig in a little bit to to my path, I think that was a a shaping influence for sure. A little bit about me personally, I think that will come through as we talk today. And I think that you'll say, you know about me is I'm incredibly people driven, relationship driven. I I always want people to like me. I want people to be happy. I think that's also something just kind of about me that has from an early age been a part of my makeup and has continued in my personal and definitely as we will talk about into my professional career too. Oh, I love it. And you know, it's so funny, Leslie, because obviously we worked together for years. It's just destiny when I look at your career that you ended up where you did, a leader of people, managing, leading an amazing team. So, you know, it's so funny how we find ourselves in our current careers, but then when we look back, it just makes so much sense. Well, so tell the tribe, how did you end up? You went from amazing lawyer, this family with a background in legal and and all of that. So how did you end up in talent? I was in my undergrad. uh, I was doing an undergrad degree in business and we had an internship program as part of that. And 
I was like signing up to do stuff in finance and operations and accounting. It, it was actually working at a REIT in Toronto. And they had said, hey, we have a mailing that has to go out. We just need some hands. And I was like, first year intern. I was like, sure, yeah, I'll help with the mailing. <laughs> and, and I went and it was out of our HR department. And at the time, I honest to goodness, I probably didn't even know what HR stood for, what that department did. And you know what's really funny? I really liked the people in the department. And I realized I liked the people side of business. So I went back to school and I started to take some HR courses and some people management and some org development, you know, all those mm -hmm. fancy names for really the people side of business. I ended up doing a master's in industrial relations and employment management and really was curious about the nuts and bolts and the foundation of what keeps a business operating, which is mm. the people. So my original foray into that was this internship. And honestly, someone saying we need a pair of hands. Mm, I did not know that, Leslie. I love doing these interviews because I always learn something new, even about friends that I've had for years. So when you think about the biggest pivot that maybe you made, arguably, from lawyer into a more talent professional development role, I'm so curious, especially for the women in the tribe that might be listening to this now, thinking about as well making a pivot in their own career. How did you know that you would enjoy it, that you would really like making that move? Was it because of that early career exposure in the internship? You know you really liked that, so you're like, I'm for sure going to love doing this full time. Or did you do more research or anything like that to actually make the move? So I was practicing at a leading national firm in big law. I was a student and then a junior associate. And I started thinking about the things in that role or in my day-to-day -day job that I liked. The part of the role I liked the most was interacting with people versus actually the sitting in my office doing the legal briefs or the drafting or the documents. I liked talking to my friends about how they were going to manage their files. I was that go-to to talk through how to manage it or how I would think about it. I loved the world of law, but I actually liked the people versus actually doing some of the legal work myself. <laughs> I will say also the hours as a junior in a big law firm were requiring like a lot. And I just realized I didn't love it enough. I had to kind of think about it. Say, am I, am I in this for the long haul? Do I enjoy, am I fulfilled enough? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a hard worker. I don't shy away from that at all, but it doesn't always feel like work when you love what you're doing. And it feels an awful lot like work when you don't. Yeah. <laughs> well said. And I definitely had a lot of friends, mentors who were actually in these kind of professional development roles in law. So I chatted with them a bit about what their roles look like and felt like mm. that would be a nice way to combine the two things I was interested in at the time. Mm, I love that. So what I heard is that you were super thoughtful. You really thought about what you enjoyed about your current role, what you didn't, and you did do some informational interviewing and talking to the people that were in the roles that you thought you would enjoy and then really found that you might enjoy that more. So that makes a ton of sense and that's a great recipe for anyone who's listening. If you are thinking about making a change or a pivot, starting right there with the basics, doing a little bit of soul searching, and then doing some interviewing. We're all really good at that. So I'm sure we can dive right in there. <laughs> and I think, you know, interviewing, networking, conversations, yeah. in some ways you're interviewing the role. You're like, what would yeah. the role look like? You're not necessarily the interviewee. You're actually the interviewer 
for a career path. So yeah. those conversations, meeting people mm-hmm. along the way, seeking their input, so so valuable um, at the time or even down the road. This is a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I'm a big believer, Les, just to really underscore what you just said. We should be interviewing people all the time. Anyone that we come across, it's like, wow, that's a really interesting job that they have. They work at a really interesting company. We should always be putting feelers out there to learn about what other people do because you never know what the next five or 10 years of your career might hold. Yeah. I think that's the foundation really, especially in some industries that are so connected. The more people you know, you learn about what they're doing can really help open your eyes to different paths and twists and turns you may be open to taking. Yeah. You never know. Well, so really tactical here, Les. How did you land that first role after practicing law? Was it through a connection? Was it through a referral? Would love to hear about that. Don't know if you have many um, Canadian listeners, but there's this legal publication that goes out to all lawyers in the province every week. It's called the Ontario Reports. In the Ontario Reports, they'll have like news updates, they'll have industry information, they'll have case briefs, and then they'll have job announcements and job openings. And I was flipping through one day. There was a title. I I kid you not. It was called The Director of Lawyer Happiness. (laughs) And it was like a light bulb went off. And I was sitting there in my law firm, in my office, probably at some ungodly hour. And in that week, I had colleagues and friends even some of my parents' friends, because they had got the, the ORs, wow. reach out to me saying, I think you need to look at this job. It was so fun because everyone gets the same book, right? At the time, it was a book. It's now online. I wasn't sure. I didn't really know enough about this organization. It was an alternative legal services firm in Toronto. And I had heard about it, but didn't know a ton. But I took what your advice that you just said. It, it took the idea of, let me interview. Let me learn about this. There's something about this title that seems mm-hmm. to be true. Too much of a fit for me. So I'm going to go meet them. And I submitted an application and I went and met with them. And I met with some of their lawyers. And that was my intro into this organization. I ended up getting the job and ended up joining. But I obviously didn't have the PD, the professional development, the recruiting experience, but the role was in law working with people. And so I think the foundation I had in legal helped and the rest was history. Oh, I love it. I mean, one, the whole story, but also for all the recruiters that will be listening to this, snazzy job titles do matter. (laughs) Right? It's so funny that that old school way to recruit and have just an old, a posting out there and that I saw it and I went for it. It's right. so funny. Well, so what about for any recruiters that might be listening to this that might want to make the jump to professional development or anyone in professional development and coaching people operations that want to make the jump to recruiting, what general advice might you give them since you've overseen both teams in your career? Like what can they do to prepare for the interview process with a slight pivot in mind? I think the skills of a recruiter and the skills of someone in the PD role are are really similar. I consider them two sides of the same coin, right? One group is focused on finding, attracting, bringing great people in. And the other group really is focused on engaging and retaining and making sure we're maximizing the experience once that that individual's hired. So if you think of the push and pull, the recruiters are pulling and the professional development team, they're Mm -hmm. pushing and keeping those people 
vacuum inside. So I don't actually think the roles are fundamentally that different. A lot of the time, these roles are housed by the same department and oftentimes by, especially in, in mid-sized organizations, by the same person. It, it would be an HR mm-hmm. that's recruiting and retaining of talent. So I think there's definitely a real transferability of the skills. There are, for the recruiters in the room, there are obviously, without being too general, I think there is some skills in recruiters that are a little different from those who have a passion in PD. They are expected and their role requires decisiveness, decision-making, in some ways, linear thinking, like we need to do X first, then move to Y, step-by-step, process-oriented. And we really do have to think in a lot of ways, sometimes black and white. Are we going to move forward? Yes. Are we going to move forward? No. What do we need for this role? We put some hard lines up there. Really a tough skill to mm-hmm. use in PD. In professional development, it's harder to plan your days. It's harder to structure the process. A lot of times there's so much gray. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a lot of people issues, a lot of sensitivities. There's a lot more active listening. You have a longer time to build rapport. I think there's more fluidity in how you approach things. I think someone can possess both. So if you're a recruiter and you are looking to make a pivot into PD, which I think we see a lot of people do, and a lot of people do with great success, being able to identify Mm -hmm. times where you're able to think outside the box, where you're able to really, really respond on in the moment in areas of gray, in areas of ambiguity, in areas of highly sensitive conversations, being able to pull on that when you're discussing a career pivot will help reassure the interviewer, the manager, the team lead that someone with a recruiting background would be able to make that pivot into PD. And similarly for someone in PD, making the pivot into recruiting, pulling on experiences where they've had to make a really tough call, had to make a decision in the moment, had to think really directively, I think would set that person up for success. So while I do think the foundation's all the same, it's all people management and people engagement, there are certain levers that you can pull when trying to pivot your career to show that you have the ability to play both sides because I do think they require a different nuancing of skills depending on which side of the house you're in. I love that. That's super helpful for anyone thinking about what skill sets do they really need to highlight when they're interviewing for a different type of role. And even going back to our earlier conversation about the importance of informational interviews, let's not forget, just go across the aisle or now that we're all virtual, pick up the phone or schedule a Zoom chat with your colleagues in professional development or recruitment or vice versa, just to do one of those informational interviews and get additional information as well. So Les, one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this conversation with you in particular about career pivots was because not only did you make a massive, amazing career pivot in your career, but you have also climbed the ladder into a leadership role so successfully. One, it's because you're great at what you do. You're an expert at it, but also people just love you. So can you just tell us a little bit about your current role now at Axiom? What teams do you oversee? would love to hear about that. <laughs> you're making me blush, but the thing is- <laughs> Good. So you can't see. It's been an incredible career adventure for me. And actually, I will quickly talk about what I do now, but I will tell you just on the theme of networking, how I actually uh, ended up in this role and the beauty of the importance of 
relationship building. I'll pull on that at the end. My role now is I, I head up recruiting and talent for our lawyer population in North America. So I have a team and we're focused on bringing in great talent and keeping our talent feeling really energized and happy. So for me, it's a perfect blend of three passions, legal, recruiting, and professional development and coaching. And so I feel like I've hit the lottery with a role like this in a company like Axiom. Oh, it's a role that you were destined for. It's just so fun to hear about your scope and all that you're overseeing. Tell me about one of the biggest challenges that you see day-to-day because now less of your day-to-day is about coaching your team more broadly. And now you're training the trainers, if you will. You're coaching the coaches that are on your team. So you're probably doing more of that than you are coaching candidates and whatnot just because of your scope. It's a really big role. You're the head of North America. So I'm curious, what is the number one or two things that you see your team come to you most often for? Is it people challenges and how do you coach your team around that? Because I bet if it's a common theme that comes up with your team, I bet it's coming up other places as well. Yeah, we're managing big, big groups of legal professionals and a lot of time, whether it's actually, to be honest, in our roles or even personally, when people are coming to you, the biggest thing we see is how do you actually make a difference? How do you actually, if you are coaching someone, if you are managing someone, if you are there to help someone guide them in their professional development, how do you do it most effectively? Mm -hmm. Giving the person who's coming to you the space, the space to explore a solution, the space problem and to really just listen. We're such action-driven people by nature, but sometimes the best way to help is to sit back, is to listen and to provide the support by just doing that. You'll often find that the person you're coaching, they actually just want a gut check and they just want to talk through something with you. And Mm -hmm. they often are able to resolve and come to a decision about what's best for them, whatever the challenges that they're coming to you about. They're able to get there. And if they're not, come with a couple leading questions that will help them get to the solution themselves. So something Mm -hmm. that came up not that long ago, maybe someone not getting the work that they're looking for. And... Is that because that work's not out there and we want to pivot and think more broadly about the kind of work you could do? Is that because someone else is getting the work and maybe they don't know you're interested in it? Is that because you're maybe chatting with people who aren't funneling that subject down and you need to actually start chatting with someone else? And really probing with questions can also be really helpful. I feel like even with the professional coaches that I know in my own life and in my career, Even when you've been coaching for a long time, it's really hard to remember that you don't have to show up to every conversation with the answers. And that's actually not your job, like you said. So you have to remember that your job is to help lead and guide your candidates or the folks at your company who are coming to you for advice and guidance, your job is there to help facilitate them to come to their own conclusions and help them get to an answer that makes sense. So I think it's a a reminder that everyone needs to hear once in a while because it's a hard job. It's really challenging to show up and be empathetic and be patient. Um, Okay, so what general advice or wisdom might you share for women in the tribe that are interested in pursuing leadership roles in talent acquisition, people operations, HR, just 
What advice would you give them about trying to achieve what you've achieved and accomplished in your career? Ooh, it's a good question. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I would say, and this actually pulls back to something we talked about right, right at the beginning. I think relationships are everything. Every world of mm. talent, whether it's with a candidate who's thinking about coming back and it's a recruiting tool or whether it's coaching and managing and helping to develop those with whom you work more, more closely on an ongoing basis. I think relationships create a baseline of trust and understanding. If you don't have that relationship, it's really, really hard to move the needle. And definitely in professional development and ongoing talent management, building trust, rapport, and strong relationships with people is critical. I have another thought on that. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about what you want to do, you have a network of people that you can speak to, the relationships you have with colleagues, with peers, with mentors, with friends, leaning on them as you think about your own career path, seeking their advice, their guidance is so important. I have so many people that Mm -hmm. I still, as I look at next stages in my career or current challenges Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing, I look at those relationships of people, most professional, some personal, and it's so helpful to bounce ideas off of them. I know they are invested in my well-being and they want to see me succeed and I trust them. And so it's just an ongoing theme. And it's actually, you know, as I said earlier, something that's been a part of me, those relationships with people and staying connected to people and having a large network has just been really, really helpful throughout my career. And Oh, that's great. Really jumping off of that, Les, into my last question for you. It's a perfect segue. I'm personally obsessed with the idea of risk-taking and the importance that this has in our careers as women to grow our careers in whatever way that might be mean for each of us as individuals, it's just a really important and interesting concept that I nerd out on. And I look at your career and I look at someone that arguably is good at taking risks because you went from this amazing, stable career trajectory in the legal field. You could have ended up like a judge, like your mother. I mean, you could have done that, right? The path was there in front of you. Of course, arguably you would have had to put work into it and effort, all of those things that is your unique Leslie Henry brand. It wouldn't have been handed to you by any means, but you could have done that, right? But you took a leap of faith and said, you know what? This is more me. This is me speaking my truth. I want to do this. I want to be in professional development and people. So tell me, tell the tribe, how did you get over that fear to take that jump? Yeah. You say, oh, it's the risk and a risk taker. I, at my core, I'm type A, you know, (laughs) I I don't consider myself in any way a risk taker. And I actually think one of the things that really helped me have the confidence to make a change, obviously following your intuition, following your gut, your heart, all those things are so important, but really also kind of knowing it's not, nothing's permanent. Right. And you can always go back. And I mean, for the recruiters listening, we know how, you know, sometimes you see someone who hasn't had relevant experience in many, many years. And obviously that's hard, but at the core, you can always pivot back. You can always try something. No doors are ever going to shut, especially Mm -hmm. 
if you pulling on the theme of relationships, especially if you keep those relationships strong. So I think actually as a conservative non-risk taker, <laughs> you know, saying I'm going to try this because this is what I'm interested in. And if it doesn't work or if I don't succeed or if I realize this doesn't fit me the way I think it's going to, I can always go back. And your careers are long winding stories. Yeah. I love reading resumes and trying to guess the stories. I'm like, oh, they went here. They went here. Maybe they moved because of a family member. Like, yeah. I love thinking about someone's resume, telling that story. And I think that's as long as you can weave something together with a meaningful story, there's always room to move in different directions. Mm. So if you take away the risk and the fear, and also, I mean, what other people think, and you actually go with your gut and your intuition, the risk of failing is really not that big because you can always come back to what you were doing before, mm. or you can rethink it. And keeping your doors open, keeping your relationships strong, that's really going to help you and going to mitigate any of that quote unquote risk in taking a change. So if you can think about career change in that light, it actually feels so much more like an exciting opportunity than a big decisive risk, it actually feels more like a part of the path, a part of the story. And so I thought of it that way. It helped me with my own angst around change. And honestly, I haven't looked back, but I guess kind of knowing I could have, <laughs> but I never looked back after it. Oh, 100%. I mean, really well said, right? And in an episode that's about career pivots, remembering that you could always pivot back should absolutely yeah. take the sting out of it and <laughs> hopefully give everyone the motivation on this call who might be thinking about making a career pivot to just go for it. Or if you're coaching someone who's thinking about making a pivot, helping them take the sting out of it. And remember, we can always pivot back if we maintain those amazing relationships, like you said. So totally. Gosh, you know that? Super well said. You know, you know that saying, the door, you know, when people leave, oh, good luck, the door is always open open. Really, really leave a role or leave a, a position meaning that. Mm -hmm. And that will just propel you as you move forward, knowing you always have that insurance and comfort to circle back. Mm -hmm. And it may be in a different kind of role or a different kind of capacity, but that's where that relationship piece is also um, really comforting as you take these leaps. Oh, I love that. Um, how can women in the tribe find you and stay in touch if they maybe have a follow-up question. How can the tribe find you after today's episode, Les? Yes, I would love to hear from any of the listeners today. Please shoot me a message. I'm on LinkedIn. It's Leslie Kroll Henry. I always check my messages there and would welcome hearing from anyone. So Leslie Henry on LinkedIn, please, please reach out. Oh, Leslie, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. It was a pleasure, a joy to hear you talking about this subject and just have a, a chance to nerd out on one of my favorite topics with one of my favorite people. So thank Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure, Tammy. It's so, I'm so excited to be part of this. This was such a, as I said, an honor for me. So great to have the chance to catch up with you. This was such a blast. Um, and I hope I can come back again soon. Oh, 100%. I'm already thinking through our next topic. <laughs> maybe, maybe quarantine will be over and we could do it um, live. That would be it. I would love that. I would love that. Thanks, Les. Take care. And that's a wrap. Tribe, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so that our tribe can keep growing. See you next episode. 